0: The following is a presentation of the Sovereign Tech Podcast feed.
1: Ooh, in a way, this is really where it all began. Um, while, in what you recently heard, that being the Sovereign 2099 episode of the Sovereign Verse, uh, was really the beginning of that. And of course the intros, the segment intros, uh, that I would be doing for years, which would all include their own, you know, mini stories, uh, within the sovereign verse, uh, within them, you know, those are really the start And 2099, certainly, you know, push the envelope where it really started coming together and where a lot of people suddenly said, and and I'm not kidding. (laughs) A lot of people have said to me over the years, look, Brian, I don't even care about the tech news. Just, just give us more fiction. (laughs) And and I'm honored by that. It's not a boast. I'm honored. Okay. Uh, But this is where that really clicked. This is where suddenly a lot of people, um, I mean, I think with 2099, a lot of people saw where perhaps where I was going with what I was suggesting with tech. And a lot of that still stands tall today in 2022. Um, but where a lot of people suddenly said, "Wow, this fiction is amazing blah 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 you know that all started here with what is known as Soviet Tech or Soviet Tech one uh, to be specific and of course there is a Soviet Tech 2 and a Soviet Tech three is on the way but but Soviet Tech 2 you'll be getting that in the next part of the sovereign verse uh, uh, well I don't want to call it a rewind but revisiting that we're doing. Um, of the sovereign verse, but this is Soviet tech one, as well as, uh, some segment intros that, you know, went between the 2099 episode into, uh, Soviet tech one and Soviet tech one is when you get introduced to Brian sovereigns or agent sovereigns, uh, uh, alter ego doppelganger (laughs) from another universe, uh, that being Brian Soviet or commander Brian Soviet himself. Um, a character that I also got a lot of requests over the years to, Hey, why don't you just go with Brian Soviet instead of Brian sovereign? And that speaks to the very broad uh, listenership that sovereign tech has enjoyed, um, over its decade run, um, in that, you know, anarchists and freedom lovers of all stripes have come to this show, uh, and, you know, have, have gotten, uh, you know great information or what they tell me is great information, um, interesting news, interesting insights, and so on. And I've always been really honored by that. And I wanted the opportunity to explore that other side. Because for a while there, and and this came out, I want to say this was out in 2015, 2099, uh that episode came out in 2014. Um and I wanted to, you know, like I just had such an influx of of people who are more, you know, in anarchist circles, what we would call red and black, uh, or mutualists as well. They're not red and black. They'd be, what, red and orange, right? Or, yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> pick your color. Uh, but it had such a broad uh, spectrum of, uh, you know, of, of ideologies uh, come on board with the show, and I wanted to take the opportunity to kind of, you know, explore them all uh, in, in certain ways. Um, Soviet Tech, Two would take that to the next level, but Soviet tech one was really a, a, a nice bridge between 2099 and Soviet tech two, because the Soviet tech one, while there is a fictional or the whole thing is fiction. Um, I did a bit of a hybrid where there was a story going through that was all scripted and pre-planned and everything. Um, one of the things, one of the questions actually recently that I got for the re-release of sovereign 2099 was a lot of people said, how did that look? That sounded so genuine. How did you do that scripted? There was no script other than, you know, the moments with special effects and all that jazz that like, you know, like, like those pre set scenes, those were scripted, but those were all of, I don't know, you know, six minutes of that two hour episode. No, that was two hours of me just completely making it up as I went along. Uh, For the most part, with Soviet Tech 1, which is Brian Soviet doing Soviet tech in an alternate universe, um, while it doesn't go two hours, uh, it's hybrid with where, yeah, okay, there's more scripted parts, but then where it's me talking about the show, there's no script. I'm just making all this shit up, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So most of what you're hearing here is pure ad lib. You know, and then when we get into Soviet tech Two, uh, of course that is completely scripted, like from, you know, beginning to end. Um, but that is also something that is like all action, you know, like it's all, uh, special effects, big scenes and everything. It's not me like record, like pretending to record an episode either in the future or in an alternate reality. Um, so that's, that's where we, we would get to, you know, and with the, the, you know, the segment intros, everything, and, and you'll certainly hear this more so, um, in the next episode, uh, everything just, again, everything just kept getting to the next level, next level, next level. Uh, so you'll also hear at points, you'll hear, uh, intros to the show because sometimes the intros to the show, like the intro music would actually play into the entire story running for that 25 episode arc. Anyway, with all of that said, just giving you some context of what it was like in 2015 and what you uh, can expect to hear. Um, this is not to, to be clear. Okay. This is not a, because one of the, one of the major reactions I got actually to doing Soviet tech one was that I was doing a pro communism episode. Uh, no, I was not, I wasn't doing an anti-communism episode either, but not being anti-communism is also not being pro communism. I don't know why that is so confusing to people, but I wasn't doing either. Um, this is also uh, something that would, <laughs> that would grace many a T-shirt on the planet Earth around the world. And I mean that quite literally around the world. Um, this is where the, the famous Sovereign Tech tagline, perhaps the most famous Sovereign Tech tagline, or uh, if you want to call it a, a, a Sovereign Tech axiom, and that is three words, be the future. That started right here in this episode. Um, and I would end up by request, putting it on t-shirts and, you know, people just, just loved it and ran with it and love it to this day. And I'm, I'm so honored by that. Uh, so you, I, I hope you feel like you're in for a treat here. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed again, this revisiting of the sovereign verse and we're doing this because new episodes are to come. I'll let this one ride out and I'll see all of you on the other side. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. If you'll excuse me. (sighs) Uh, you're not Natalia.
2: Who are you? Oh, hello, Mr. Sovereign. Natalia is on another mission. I'm Elizabeth. I'm
1: here to debrief you. I'd love for you to debrief me, but, uh, how did you get in my room? The bellboy let me in. Well, hooray for the bellboy.
2: Tech Roulette. I just received an encrypted message from Decentral with your next mission, and it looks like I'm coming along.
1: Why, Elizabeth, I wouldn't have it any other way. You're clearly good at staying on top of things
2: it helps when one's partner is very skilled
1: no no we can have more fun later what does the message say
2: important
1: messages
2: do you still have it I
1: got it right here how does this affect system d
2: i don't know the message just said it was important
1: i think we need to find out more about this Tool of the Week.
2: We're never going to make it out alive if those blockchain drones get off the ground.
1: I can handle that. You just find us another ride. Get on! Nice moves. When did you learn that? On with you.
2: No guns, no killing. Are the
1: drones taken care of? They are now. Nothing works better than a quick hack. Let's get going.
3: Exactly.
2: Oh, we made it. They're not kidding when they say you're the best, Mr.
1: Sovereign. Oh, Elizabeth, you haven't seen anything yet.
2: Oh, really?
1: Really? Why don't I show you? Right here. Out in the woods? On the bike? Elizabeth, I can rise to any... Any... Occasion.
2: Oh, Brian. The climax. This is Jane Smith, reporting for WASP News. We report so you don't have to decide. Now, we're live outside of Sovereign Studios, where a protest has been taking place. Uh, sir, sir, what is going on here?
1: We're going to put an end to his godless hedonism. He's corrupting the entire planet.
2: Uh, you must be talking about the golden stallion of the tech world? Brian Sovereign?
3: That's right. That sex fiend of an anarchist has crossed the line. We're going to rip his triple black clothing and then kid to shreds. But
2: Brian Sovereign believes in nonviolence.
1: We don't care. He wants to end government and wants to pervert science and technology to do it. Brian Sovereign has to be stopped.
2: This just in. Brian Sovereign is coming out of the studio. For the exclusive, Mr. Sovereign. Please, Jane. It'll be our pleasure. Tea? Oh, thank you. I must say, for an anarchist, you're not what I expected. I'll assume that's a compliment. It is. Uh, is it true what they say about you? That you're a godless hedonist, bent on ending governments and conservative values? All true. But, but... What about supporting the troops? Marriage, white picket fences, and apple pie?
1: (laughs) Come on, Jane. I love pie. As far as everything else, it's all just here to keep you from being happy. Wouldn't you rather be traveling the world, fucking every day, not worrying about what other people think? Oh. Oh
2: my, Mr. Sovereign. Come to think of it, I never felt like I fit into the system very well. I always wondered what it's like to be with an
1: anarchist. Well, here's your chance to roll the roulette wheel and find out.
2: Tech Roulette Oh, ah, uh, that was... I'm speechless.
1: Oh, if I'm leaving a reporter speechless, I must be doing things right. Natalia? Uh. <gasps>
2: What's going on? Agent Sovereign, read this. Then meet me at Decentral HQ. I have to go. What was that? And why would someone give you something on paper these days?
1: Because it's something that is too important to risk sending digitally. As for what the message says, it looks like I've been doing things wrong. Important Messages. Jane, Natalia, come on!
2: They're right behind us. We can't just jump off this building. No, but with a little help I called on. Hello, Agent Soren. The jetpacks you requested? Right on time, Elizabeth. I am not flying with one of those. I'll hold you, Jane.
1: Relax. Tech is just a tool.
2: This is James Smith, formerly of WASP News, now an anarchist, and I want to introduce you to Brian Sovereign, former agent of...
1: I have little time. You need to know what's going on. Government is lying to you. Corporations are lying to you. Even is lying to you. They're trying to centralize everything. Trust yourselves. Your computer is your only country. Coexist and learn all that you can. Hack the planet. Act,
2: Agent Sovereign, Skylab C is in a
0: polar orbit of the Earth.
1: Computer, it's not Agent anymore. We don't work for them. Natalia, Elizabeth, Jane, and I, and anyone else that wants to join us, we're rogue now. We have to put an end to domination. Agent Sovereign,
2: come join us. Yeah, join us. Don't be a wanker.
1: (laughs) Well, there's no reason not to have fun in the process. I'm coming, ladies!
2: Last time on Sovereign Jack.
1: I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with. I mean, it's great material. Like somehow Hollywood got Iron Man right because I had said that since I was a teenager. I said whenever they make an Iron Man movie, it's going to be huge because this guy has problems. He was like an alcoholic. He has all these issues. It's going to make for great drama. And I'm not saying that Iron Man's this great hero or anything. I'm just saying that it makes for for a great film. And Fantastic Four has all of those elements, but they just keep fucking it up. And they fuck it up on the casting. The The movies that came out in the aughts, they screwed up that casting, too. Uh, it's it's just failure, 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 failure. Even Roger Corman's was better. His The one he did in the 90s was better than the, the shit they're schlepping now. Uh, it was just, it was so bad. I was really, really disappointed in all this. And not to even, you know, to do this interdimensional thing and to not call it the negative zone. Uh, the, no what, what the hell? Yeah, we're all saying the interdimensional. What? Computer, what the hell's going on? A quantum singularity is forming outside of Skylab C. God damn it, I'm in the middle of recording a show. What kind of singularity?
2: It appears to be a dimensional rift.
1: A dimensional rift? Who could possibly create an Einstein Rosen Podolsky bridge? Computer, raise chromaton shields.
2: Chromaton shields cannot protect the entire station from the rift.
1: Computer, put the chromaton field around me now! Hold on, Stallion, this is gonna get bumpy. Computer. Computer, where are we? Computer? System voice print verified. Agent Brian, Soviet of the KGB. What? The KGB? Computer, where am I? You are aboard the USSR station, Mir Seven. USSR Mir Seven, That it looks like Skylab C. Oh, the station. Go, oh, go. Oh. oh boy.
2: The conclusion, December twenty fifth, nineteen
4: ninety one. The news from ITN.
2: Gorbachev, the last president
5: of the Soviet Union, resigns. The red flag of communism is lowered over the Kremlin. Yeltsin takes control of thirty thousand Soviet nuclear weapons. And world leaders pay tribute to Gorbachev's achievements. Good evening. The red flag came down over the Kremlin tonight as President Gorbachev resigned and brought to an end seven decades of communist rule in the Soviet Union. Right to the last, Mr. Gorbachev said he was unhappy at the breakup of the country, but he pledged to do everything he could for the new Commonwealth of Independent Republics. The Russian president, Boris Yeltsin, now has his finger on the nuclear button. We have two reports from Moscow on the final hours of the Soviet Union.
4: As Mikhail Gorbachev resigned, the Soviet and Russian flags still fluttered side by side above the Kremlin. But Mr. Gorbachev finally brought the curtain down on the Soviet Union and his own extraordinary career.
0: Comrades, due to the situation which has evolved as a result of the formation of the Commonwealth of Independent States... I hereby discontinue my activities at the post of president of the USSR.
4: The manner of his departure reflected the nature of his rule. The Kremlin, so long the forbidden city of the Soviet Empire, opened its doors to the world. Mr. Gorbachev quit live on satellite TV.
0: This society has acquired freedom. It has been freed politically and spiritually, and this is the most important achievement that we have yet to fully come to grips with. And we haven't, because we haven't learned to use freedom yet.
4: Later, in an interview with CNN, Mr. Gorbachev showed documents which formally hand control of the nuclear arsenal to Boris Yeltsin. He was now stripped of all power.
0: We are cooperating, I think in the interest of our estates, in the interests of the commonwealth, in the interests of the world.
4: Mikhail Gorbachev inherited an empire maintained by the iron fist of central control. He's leaving behind 15 independent states, which share only a disastrous economy and an uncertain future. Tonight, the Kremlin's red flag was lowered for the last time. People in this country, said Mr. Gorbachev, are ceasing to become citizens of a great power. Timurat ITN, Moscow.
5: Out with the old, in with the new. Russia's trickler tonight replacing the red flag over the Kremlin. A country renamed and reborn, and now in the hands of Boris Yeltsin. The Russian president has today received control of the former Soviet nuclear arsenal. He reassured the West that he'd strive to prevent it ever being used.
0: The nuclear weapons are going to be controlled by just one person, and I don't want the international community to be worried about it.
5: Mr. Yeltsin today predicted grave economic difficulties for the coming year, but said he was confident the new Commonwealth would ultimately succeed.
0: The people here are weary of pessimism, and the share of pessimism is too much for the people to handle. Now they need some belief.
5: It's been Yeltsin's boldness that's rewarded him with an independent Russia to rule, most recently in August when he led resistance during the attempted coup, and most sensationally last year when he walked out of the Communist Party Congress and handed in his party card. He is, like Mikhail Gorbachev, a product of the Communist Party structures, rising swiftly through its ranks as a young man. But this risk-taker distanced himself from the party and sided with the people before it was too late, emerging as the only opposition leader of stature. Concerns remain about the health of this 60-year-old maverick. He's reported to suffer from a heart complaint. Concern, too, about his sometimes unstatesmanlike image abroad. Internationally, Mikhail Gorbachev is a very hard act to follow. But most concern lies over the ability of just one man to inspire hope. Hope from a people who feel that for so long they've been cruelly mistreated by their leaders. To succeed, he must rescue the economy fast. It's that that will decide the future of Boris Yeltsin and of Russia. Penny Marshall, ITN, Moscow.
2: October 31st,
3: 2015. Welcome back, Grisha. Oh, how was the crew training? Boring. (laughs) Ha! But necessary, Comrade Sergeant. Those recruits will soon be needed. It's good to see you all here today. And it will be even better to see you soon breaking through that wall! That will teach those NATO dogs how to fight! They thought they could bully us into submission! They thought we'd give way and fall! And today, we'll show them that the Red Army bows to no one! Today, we'll show them the might of the Soviet Union!
2: never seen before oh my god
0: the russian federation is claiming to not be
1: behind these attacks we don't know where this new soviet force is from but they are bombarding the
3: entire planet
2: The time has come. Are you ready for the latest in proletariat approved science? Are you ready for the latest in superior Soviet technology? Then get ready for the ultimate in subversion of the best. Get ready for Soviet tech. This man in red and black, the red stallion of the tech world. Commander Brian Soviet he has a huge mosque and now here's Brian Soviet
1: The time has come! Finally, the Red Stallion, the Soviet of tomorrow, is here for another edition of Soviet Tech. Coming to you live from Mir 7, bringing you news of victory from the stars. Oh yes, the man in red and black, the first of General Makhno's homo sovieticus and let's get right into the news because it is news of victory for the soviet union because today the reports are already coming in from all around the globe that capitalism is seeing its end our forces are striking around the world And soon we will be able to set up our Marxist communities and we will be able to build on the dream that was made so many Octobers ago, the dream of a worker's paradise. It was only a couple of decades ago, a little over that when our original plan with the Soviet Union came to an end due to the idiocy of one Mikhail Gorbachev. But now, ever since Operation Bakunin was put into place, all is back in order and moving far faster than we ever could have imagined. As a commander in the Red Army, I am already getting reports that California has largely been taken. Silicon Valley, that bastion of surveillance, is now under Soviet control. And we will use those abilities and that surveillance to our advantage. But I'll save that for our lead story. I want to get into some of the more interesting things that are getting developed on our science station at mere five. Recently, they have perfected what has been uh, historically called the Kremlin pill. Yes, this is the longevity pill that many of the proletariat during the glory days of the USSR were taking to extend their lives. This has now been effectively perfected, as I understand it, and will be a key part of the new man and the new woman that the Soviet Revolution will be bringing forward. It's incredible to consider that with just a pill, Soviets, or as General Makhno likes to call it, Homo Sovieticus, will be able to live for hundreds of years just by ingesting a pill that, as I understand it, you only need to take once a month. I think there's an incredible irony in the fact that so many that believe in the capitalist system always had this dream of somehow being able to one day buy time. And yet... It was the communist system, it was the present dictatorship of the proletariat that allowed for the creation of immortality. I have incredible thanks to express to the scientists on Mir 5. As always, Soviet science is ahead of the game, ahead of the Western game. I will definitely be keeping you updated here on when the Kremlin pill becomes uh, available more widely. Of course, we're still waiting on other Mir stations to set up. Uh, That is another story I wanted to cover. It looks like we will have Mir 9 and Mir 10 will be in position uh, within the week. And that's a pretty fast rollout, considering that we had to keep the stations over the poles of the Earth to avoid detection. Of course, some on Earth had briefly detected our stations, and I believe they called them the Black Knights, uh, the Black Knights satellites. But of course, the wonderful thing uh, about shaming and about using labels like conspiracy theorists is that any kind of truth that could have revealed our plans was easily defeated with just a word. Propaganda is a powerful thing. It's something that the Soviets have used for so long and we continue to use. And I'd be lying if I didn't say and express that I wish propaganda was enough to put an end to the Western way of living. I wish it didn't take the violence that is happening on Earth right now. But when we've tried so long and have dealt with so many failures to try and bring on our new world, to bring on a stateless world that Karl Marx so cleverly planned out a century ago, Well, we're doing what we have to. To truly be free. Without getting too serious on that, I do. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later in this edition of Soviet Tech. The Baran 2. This is another exciting story, another exciting development. Of course, the original Baran is a hallmark of Soviet technology, showing that Anything the West could do, we could do better. The original brand, of course, developed in 1974 and was tested briefly in the 80s, and both models since then, of course, had been destroyed. One was in a hangar, more or less a museum piece, which is insulting, to say the least, was destroyed when the hangar collapsed upon it. Regardless, they were amazing pieces of technology— Almost fully automated controls. They could land completely on their own. And if you look at United States history, that was one of the major issues with their space shuttle program, which the Buran was competing with. Well, not competing, but dominating. The original Buran also had superior configurability, allowing for larger labs to be built in, as well as larger living quarters. It was a shuttle designed to really go the distance. When you consider the United States space shuttle program, they were constantly having to repair, upgrade, and extend the life of their space shuttles, which came with disastrous results for some very, well, I'll admit it here, courageous human beings, anyone that follows in the steps of Yuri Gagarin and enters the stars is a courageous human being, regardless of where they were born. But the Buran wouldn't have had any of these issues and its design would have easily made up for all of these flaws that were apparent in the U S shuttle program. But now we have the Buran II, ready to take its rightful place as the superior shuttle technology on planet Earth and perhaps even beyond. The Buran 2 uses a magnetic drive for propulsion and will not be reliant upon fuels that, when a system relies upon those fuels, ends up with lots and lots of money going to completely irrational people. In countries ruled by religions. The Soviet Union will not be fattening the coffers of the nations of Islam. We will build technologies that don't rely upon things like planned obsolescence or limited ability. We are building things to last, from the brand to. To automobiles and other forms of public transportation, all using renewable sources of energy. And before we get into our main story, which we already teased at the beginning of the episode, uh, I have another bit of a, which reads quite like a tease <laughs> from Mir 5, our science station. And ironically, this is a sequel of sorts to an original piece of research that, as far as I know, was never replicated by any other nation. And it was actually done on the original Mir space station, of course, the one that was so world-renowned and that operated in space for decades, much longer than any Western space station of any kind, of any merit. And this was experiments on sex. Could you have sex in zero G? Now, of course, on our modern mirror space stations, we have artificial gravity that doesn't raise this issue unless you head into the center of a mirror station and then you do encounter zero G. But otherwise you deal with artificial gravity However, the aforementioned Brand 2 model does not have artificial gravity built into it. It's too small a system. And because of that, there has been questions once again on is it possible for humans to successfully have intercourse while in zero-G? Again, this was originally done. Of course, it was classified at the time. But this was originally done in the 80s. Aboard the Mir space station. And what was discovered then is what was called the three dolphin technique. And this technique, effectively required, was based upon dolphin mating practices, where in water, which of course is how we generally test existing in zero G, but dolphins in the water, how they successfully mate is. By one dolphin actually holding up another dolphin. While a dolphin on top of that dolphin is thrusting away into the dolphin in the middle. So it works very much as I think in the Western world they call it a sandwich. And this was successfully tested. It was two men and one woman aboard the original Mir space station. And it worked in zero G it required one man holding the two having intercourse more or less against some plating to make sure that there wasn't any injuries during the sexual act. And again, this was a classified study, but it was successful. However, it was only done once. And that's not exactly that. There's room for error when you only test things out once Uh, of this of this type so the scientists on Mir five are re-engaging in the research of the three dolphin technique so there are large sections there of course Mir five was designed to where it could replicate the zero g environment far more easily uh, and in in greater scale of course like i said on any Mir station you can go into the center of it and you can experience zero g and of course many people have uh, quite a bit of fun Doing such, in fact, uh, space hockey has been incredibly popular to be played uh, in the middle of the mere stations that surround the Earth. A sport that I actually enjoy. Uh, the studies I have seen some preliminary reports uh, that they have that it has all been successful. In fact, it has not just been man, woman, man, but also woman, woman, man, and. Uh, understandably they are having a good time and you know i want to i want to talk about this for a moment because i think there is this strange and and talk about ironies of course there's so many ironies when you talk about western civilization but i think there was this certain idea that existed in the western world that somehow the russians the soviets in history were rather prudish i assure you that is not the case it was never the case and in fact conservatism was the order of the day in the united states and the rest of the western world the westerners were the ones that were against sex that were against the very natural drives that humans have not us I suppose, when it comes to propaganda, that it makes good propaganda against your enemy to somehow play them up as being anti-life in that they, they, they're very prudish. It's a fine line that people walk, but we will no longer walk that line. We are doing full research in the matter. And certainly, the new man and the new woman of Homo Sovieticus as compared to homo sapiens, will have sex be a very natural part of their lives in this new future that we're building right now. And let's talk about that new future. As I said earlier, we are taking full advantage of the surveillance state that the United States and many other countries, some of the Commonwealth of Nations, of course, all under the Queen of England, It's, you know, it's almost impossible for me to believe that there are still kings and queens on planet Earth. Well, there won't be for much longer. But there are. And these countries have all set up a very sophisticated surveillance system that I don't think our Soviet ancestors could have ever dreamed of being able to take advantage of or could have even have dreamed of building. The original, the, the original reason for the space program on both sides, on the east and the west, was about surveillance, was about surveilling the entire Earth. And all of that was completely unnecessary. Of course, the space program would get used for other things like Operation Bakunin, which we'll get into. We'll talk more about how that so successfully came to fruition later in this episode. But the surveillance state that exists is going to be used. I've seen some of the uh, uh, headlines, some of the news reports over the past few years from various channels in the Western world. And it's amazing the mental gymnastics that people went through that, oh, we just want to be safe. Please just keep us safe from the terrorists and from whatever other boogeyman, as they call it, was out there. You can see everything that I do. You can have complete observation of my life. I will have no privacy whatsoever. Just keep me safe. And that system that was built to keep all of them safe is now being used to bring on the demise of their entire way of life. And it's being used to keep the opposition in check and from not even coming into existence. It was our first order of business as they say with our present Soviet revolution that we've been planning for so long. To take over the servers around planet Earth. Facebook's servers. Google's servers. All of the above. Because on all of that is everything about everyone. In fact, we might not even have needed to take such a violent approach on some parts of planet Earth. We could have just used shame. We could have used all the information. That we've collected about politicians businessmen all the people that you somehow go around pretending fit your your western model of what a person should be and we could have exposed all of you and shown you all for oh how do you, how do the western kids call it show you all for the freaks that you are like i said not that homo sovieticus is in any way against sex. But then, if we did that, people would have reacted negatively against the surveillance system that was being built up. The surveillance society more than just a surveillance state. Because again, everybody wanted this, not just the politicians or the militaries. And then we wouldn't be able to use it against you. It's ironic. I know there were small groups on the earth recently that had, were, were big on the principles of decentralization and peer-to-peer networks. All of these things could have kept this surveillance system from coming under our use and from being used against you, Westerners. It's... I could almost laugh at the fact that there were... that. It's not even just a few. There were many in the Western world, in Western countries, that knew exactly how to thwart the very prize that we've taken today. That being all of your servers and all of the information about you, everything about you. They were there, and some of them were very loud about it, warning you warning the Western world about what exactly you were building. And nobody listened. I listened. And I wasn't afraid, but I listened. And I wondered if, well, these people could make things harder on us, on the Soviet Revolution to come. But now the time is here. It was 1981 when the USSR of the time started planning for Operation Bakunin, which is what brought many of us together now. Of course, I myself was sent to New York as a child from Russia, as a sleeper agent. And it's interesting to consider... That all of these machinations, if somehow someone wasn't still there, be it in the mere stations or on Earth, to help awaken all of the operatives of Operation Bakunin, I wonder, could I, in my other life, before becoming Brian Soviet, could I have been one of those people? warning the world about the dangers of a surveillance society and how even if people were creating it for the best of intentions, it was far too easy for something like that to be used against everyone and thus not worth or even ethical to build at all. But I am thankful every day that I am not that person. That I get to help in bringing in a new world, a paradise, a communist utopia, with a new species, Homo Sovieticus. I'll be back with more. This is Commander Brian Soviet, and you're listening to Soviet Tech. Natalia!
2: Yes, Commander Soviet?
1: Have we found the intruder aboard Mir-7?
2: We haven't yet, Commander Soviet. We're having difficulty as the space station's computer is confused by the existence of two of the exact same biopatterns. What do you mean? Sir, whoever this intruder is, his biosignature matches yours exactly. The computer thinks there are two of you on board Mir-7, and its sensors are stuck in a logic loop. The computer can't accept that there are two of you.
1: There is only one Red Stallion, Lieutenant. I want this imposter found.
2: Yes, Commander Soviet. Our best soldiers are on it. Is there anything else I can do for you?
1: Hmm... Actually, Lieutenant, Natalia is your first name, isn't it?
2: Yes, Commander?
1: I'm feeling terribly vexed at the moment. Perhaps you could help relax your superior officer.
2: Say no more, Commander. The KGB has trained me very well in relaxation techniques. Have they? Da.
3: Da. <sighs> <sighs>
1: Let's get back to Soviet tech. Of course, always a great honor for me to speak to all of you comrades across the mere space stations, as well as those now on the Earth. Commander Brian Soviet ready to talk about now. Really, one of my favorite things and something that I have had a very large hand in helping create, and that is our prefabricated Communities, what we are calling Marx communities, that can be easily deployed in the area of approximately a city block. And in fact, we can now build larger ones even than that, especially once our bases are set up on the earth. So the idea behind the Marx communities is in literally creating perfect soviet habitats that are sustainable and that can easily accommodate homo sovieticus they are based around renewable energy not around the capitalist scheme of oil and other non-renewable resources they will be largely solar powered though the ability for wind power as well as a nuclear heart To each Marx community is there to power it near indefinitely as far as by design. And that'll be necessary. We talked earlier about the Kremlin pill, which will allow Soviets to live for centuries at least. And of course, within that time, that's escape velocity, as it's called. Because within that time, we can come up with better Kremlin pills or maybe even get beyond needing the Kremlin pill. To live indefinitely, perhaps. It's an exciting world that Homo Sovieticus is going to exist within. So the Marx communities, uh, again, we already talked about what they are using as far as energy, but I want to talk also about. Well, I want to give a complete overview because I'm very proud of what's been developed with the with Marx communities. But the living conditions are substantial. Of course, they're designed for only so many people to live within each Marx community. Uh, I believe the largest model that has been designed so far tops out at about 150 Soviets that can live within it. And, of course, that has room for children. And there is plenty of room for children in these prefabricated community systems. And those children... We'll never go hungry. The hydroponic systems, more or less completely automated agriculture, all possible through the advancements that we've made on the mere space stations over the past decades. These are totally self-sustainable. And they could interconnect to create even larger communities if one is so desirous of that. But it's not, I don't find it to be that necessary. I've heard people talk about wanting to do that sort of thing. Uh, I don't necessarily see that happening. I can't imagine, you know, one of the great Soviet pastimes is to go fishing. Speaking of, of getting food, going fishing and hunting. And all of these things are much more easily achieved and done and enjoyable when there's a great, as they say, a great outdoors for you to take advantage of. So having all of these interconnected, uh, I don't, I mean, I could, I guess some people would do it, but I don't necessarily see that happening very often. Uh, But these absolutely beautiful communities uh, can engage in all of that. And through a lot of the automation, as well as our developments in 3D printing, which gives everyone the absolute total control of the means of production for the very first time. The Marxist dream has absolutely come true. And you can really see that when you first step into one of these prefabricated Marxist communities. There are other technologies built in as well, defensive technologies. And that's something that I think we, we Soviets, really need to do a lot more research on. Uh, it was a popular. In, well, not in the KGB, but in various secret services within the USSR decades ago, it was very popular to study making, and I know some may laugh at this, but it was quite real, quite true, and we will be doing it again, but making killer dolphins, they're an incredibly intelligent species, and they're very good at what we, what were, they were trained by our Soviet ancestors to do, and I think that will become a reality again also training bears and other animals to be genuine protectors and perhaps enhancing them with some of our more modern technology that we've devised over the years. I think the idea of having attack bears, the idea of Homo Sovieticus not having to be really a soldier anymore, that that part, I know, I know we're doing violent things. Maybe we can get past that. I'm not saying we're there yet, but maybe we can get past that and maybe nature could take its course. And when those baser areas of nature, if that's what our Soviet philosophers decide to claim that all to be, could be handled by nature itself with these animals. It's an interesting concept to consider, and it's not a new one for the Soviet Union. But the Marxist communities will have some degree of defense. Shield technology, force fields, as they're also known as, have not been developed yet. I know that is one of the very, very big uh, pushes being done on Mir 5, our science station. They are trying to make that a reality. Uh, But at the rate at which things from the reports I'm getting at the rate at which various parts of the earth and militaries are really falling into disarray due to our present Soviet movements, that may not even be an issue. Because Homo Sovieticus is about creating the peaceful man, the peaceful worker that barely even has to work. That's more about maintaining and about living a life of absolute equality. I want to talk a little bit more about that idea as well, not just the Marxist communities, because yes, it's amazing technology, certainly that has been uh, designed, you know, developed and designed. And I've been really proud again, to be a part of that, but to talk about the new man and the new woman that goes beyond all the things that we've had to deal with for so long and all of the methods that we've had to use for so long. Maybe this is the last time we have to use those methods, but maybe not. The Red Army isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And I think it'd be foolish to be laying down our arms, even when so many within Homo Sovieticus are ready to start the new life. But I think it's important to talk about this, because even the term Homo Sovieticus was originally an insult. It was... Supposed to, because uh, it, it's, it's dog Latin, as they call it. And its original intent was to mock what the Soviet Union was trying to create. What Karl Marx was really trying to create. And to take that term and to turn it into a positive, I find somehow fitting. I find it to be perhaps the last laugh on the philosophers that mocked our dreams of pure communism. And I think we'll talk about that more a little bit later in the episode. But homo sovieticus is the perfect man and the perfect woman in top physical condition, eating the top diet, reading the best in knowledge and even in grand fiction and enjoying grand opera that Russians have been creating for so long, and that came into fruition throughout the Soviet Union. It really is a new species, and with things like the Kremlin pill, and with other developments in health and in genetic engineering that are being done to anyone within the Soviet Revolution today, to make stronger human beings more resilient to disease, we are not Homo Sapien anymore, and it's time that if you're still thinking that way, it's time to stop that. You are better, you are more. Superior ability breeds superior ambition, and our ambitions are large, they are grand. The Marxist communities are just one example of that, of this new life that we get to lead. But it's really only going to be something that someone with our new genetic makeup and our new philosophy and our collected knowledge and our collective strength could really bring to bear, bring to fore, to reality. Homo Sovieticus is a human that doesn't need a god. And that one day won't need a government either. It's a powerful concept. That's not a, it's not a concept anymore. We're real. I remember, I remember before I was awakened into Operation Bakunin what I was like, I was weak. Yes, I was I was tall, I could you know, I, I did perhaps some bodybuilding in my time but it's nothing compared to the strength that thanks to Soviet genetic engineering that I have now. Nothing compared to the virility, the stamina, the mental acuity that I have All thanks to Soviet scientists that have created a better human being. Right now, the process that it takes for creating or bringing people into the fold of Homo Sovieticus is very extensive. And it's not easy. And not everyone has made it. Some have died in the process. And that's unfortunate because some of them were absolute patriots to the Soviet cause. This is not a gift that we can give to everyone as much as we want to. In the future, maybe we can, as we develop more. And when we are not, when we are no longer held down, so many of us no longer held down by the system of capitalism and by these Western idiots We could advance even more in a far quicker amount of time to where everyone can join Homo Sovieticus and be a part of real equality that gives you real power. Not just the genetic engineering, but the philosophy as well. It's going to take time for people to accept this. Even many I've met in the Red Army don't totally get it yet. I'll do everything I can to explain it. Maybe we'll talk about it a bit in this episode. We can never talk about it enough. Because there's a lot of confusion around communism. The Western lies are pretty powerful. Propaganda machines are that. That's why we try to master it. To combat the lies. To spread truth more efficiently. As compared to selling people on nonsense, which is what the Western world does with propaganda. But that's the importance of the philosophy of homo sovieticus, is that so you don't fall for those lies. Getting rid of religion is step one in that. Religion has been the most dangerous force in history for history. All of history. I'm still baffled how it even came to be the day that we can burn all of those books so that the memory of religion no longer threatens anyone is a day that we will be twice as free as what we're trying to build now. In fact, it may even be a good thing that a popular development in technology, has been the ebook, the electronic book. And most people don't even have paper books anymore. Thanks to that, all it takes now, we don't even have to burn these texts, these spurious texts anymore. Now, we can just delete them. And like we were talking about earlier in the show, when we have control of all the servers, sure, there may be some people with. Local hard drives or maybe someone's you know running a peer to peer network system like a like BitTorrent of some kind that may still have some books, but those will be found very quickly. But for the masses, all of this can be deleted. How much more free will we be with that? To get rid of some of the more disgusting parts of human history. In fact, when we get back from the break, why don't we talk more about some human history? History that, even though it's readily available on the Internet, on Earth, no one seems to know about it. We'll talk about that, and I think we really should spend the time of talking about real communism and the philosophy behind it and the reality behind it. When we get back, this is Commander Brian Soviet, and you're listening to Soviet Tech. My name is Brian Sovereign, and I have no desire to hurt you. I'm with... well, I'm with nobody.
2: Brian Sovereign?
1: I'm willing to tell you more, but you need to tell me more. What is Mir-7? Where did you Soviets come from? And what is KGB Operation Bakunin?
2: I'll tell you. You look just like Commander Soviet.
1: Tell me about him, too. I'll rise with the Soviet anthem, the song of freedom. Truly, the national anthem of the USSR never gets old. It is an incredibly epic piece of music that, frankly, I think is without compare. And I imagine that even after a stateless society is finally achieved, which is coming very soon, thanks to the Marx communities and the present Soviet revolution on Earth, it will be listened to. And remembered fondly. But some are shocked when they hear that we Soviets want a stateless society, as Western propaganda has made it seemingly clear, quote unquote, for years, decades, in fact, that the Soviet Union is all about controlling the people. And of being a tyrannical, dominating government. When this was not the plan, I will agree, I will admit, and you won't hear this from many others in the Soviet Union. But I will admit that there have been members of the proletariat. Members that were part of the what was known as the dictatorship of the proletariat. That abused the responsibilities and thus the perhaps the privileges that came with those responsibilities in the Kremlin and in other areas. And it's a tough thing to admit, but it's true. But when one reads the actual works of Karl Marx and others of his time and ilk, it becomes readily apparent that they were working towards a stateless society. They were working towards an anarchist society. Please understand, I am an anarchist. Commander Brian Soviet is an anarchist. And I am everything I do every single day is to get beyond the point where we need the dictatorship of the proletariat. Where we need government. And we can live in that worker's paradise. We can live in the Marx communities. Peacefully. I know many are shocked by this. But it was literally in the writings of The USSR, in its founding documents, it stated that it was working towards creating a stateless society, a stateless world. And this is where people get confused. Somehow thinking that communism is about control. It's not about the only way that it's about control is in giving back control to individuals. This is another common misconception with communism, is that it's about collective society. No, it's about empowering the individual. It's the most individualistic ideology out there. And just because some unfortunate th- people and events occurred in the USSR doesn't mean that the idea of having to have a government before you can have an anarchist society is a bad one. In fact, there's a group call, that were called libertarians. They're still down there on that blue ball known as Earth. And they know the same thing that you have to get into power to take power back. And they're trying it. Some of them are even planning on creating an anarchist world after the fact. Of course, that's not going to happen. Not when people see the light of Homo Sovieticus. But there's no reason to think that history would repeat itself. There's no reason to think that history repeats itself all the time. Those libertarians are just doing exactly what Karl Marx laid out, that you have to create, you have to be a part of government, create a government before you can have your anarchist society. Now, there have been some uh, socialist or communist philosophers like Kropotkin and some others that have theorized that, no, you do not involve yourself in government you just build an anarchist society you skip the whole thing but there's no evidence necessarily that that works i suppose some would claim that perhaps the evidence is slim that involving yourself in government to get to an anarchist society doesn't work either Well, the new Soviet Union that is bringing on the stateless society that I wish to have is going to make sure of it, make sure we get that no matter what, dealing with government or not. But to highlight the idea that uh, what would be perhaps Kropotkin's folly, I want to give you a little bit of a history lesson. And this is what was known as, well, in English, the free territory in the early part of the 20th century. In fact, our very own General Machno is a descendant of one of the leaders of that movement of the free territory. And it was just that. It was an anarchist society that existed from 1918 to 1921. But it was defeated due to having an inferior military in its time and not having the support of other communist groups, including the Soviet Union itself. It existed in Ukraine, not a large Part of Ukraine, but it did amazingly hold its own for three years, and by some reports, the letters are very scarce, was seemingly prosperous. But then, what happened? Well, what happens any time that you're dealing with the weak, or that you're dealing with those that wish to live in peace when the world around you isn't ready for that you get conquered the free territory was an experiment a real one this is no grand fiction created in history or by some funny narrative and it fell It's a hard lesson for anarchists. It's a lesson that fortunately we can take and understand why the dictatorship of the proletariat was necessary. Until we can have everyone ready, until all can join Homo Sovieticus, and we can finally have that stateless society. Remember that. That is the goals of the free territory, and the goals of the Soviet Union were the same to create a stateless society. It's in every documentation that we have. It was not about creating a tyrannical system. Quite the opposite. But if you listen to the capitalists, if you listen to the Americans, you would think quite differently. If you listened even to those libertarians I mentioned earlier, you would think quite differently. You would think, oh, no, no, it was all about control. It was all about losing your individuality when instead it was the opposite. It was about giving the individual the 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 claim, the means of production, the ability to really be an individual and to express their individuality. You know, in those Marx communities that I helped create, the potential for expressing yourself through art And for not having to worry about so many of the everyday things are all there. It's a part of what, of of how we built them. And the humans that are going to flourish and thrive, the Soviets that are going to thrive out of that. It takes my breath away to think about it. How impressive this humble creature known as humanity known as a human will become thanks to the glory of the final realization of pure communism at all costs i am so excited to n- to see all of, the, all of the plans, the decades of plans that went into Operation Bakunin come into fruition. All those people, myself included, all around the world, just laying in wait, waiting to get the signal to wake up and realize what their real purpose in life was. And that was to bring on that pure communist future. And all of these systems, the genius of building the mere space stations over decades of launching so many Soyuz rockets that created this, this astral community where we could be safe from the poison thoughts and the poisonous actions of capitalism and all of the amazing technologies and science that we have been able to develop and push forward all because we exist outside of that system. And now we can bring it to everyone else. It's my great pleasure every week to do Soviet tech. And I look forward to you listening again next week. And I look forward to sharing with you the fruits of the final steps in our Soviet revolution that I'm about to enact. This has been Commander Brian Soviet, and thank you for listening to Soviet Tech. Computer, prepare to launch Cossack drones. Send them down to the Earth. Let the insurrection begin. Unable to comply. All orbital launches are in secure lockdown mode. Secure lockdown mode? On whose authority? By your authority, Commander. It must be that imposter. Damn. I'll have to find him myself. Don't bother, Commander. I'm right here. What? What is
2: this? You're me. He is you, Commander, from another universe.
1: This is ridiculous.
2: It's true. His name is Brian Sovereign. He's a secret agent from a world where the Soviet Union never enacted Operation Bakun. But he's an anarchist, just like you.
1: No, not just like you. I don't kill people, Commander Soviet, and I never will. I'm the one that stopped your drones from launching. And I won't let those drop ships launch either. I understand what you're trying to do. I know you're trying to achieve the stateless society that your communist forefathers said would eventually come. I want a stateless world too. But killing people to get there isn't the way. No one has to die to achieve your dreams. You don't know how long we've waited for this ancient sovereign. If you're me, you know the fire that burns within. The fire for real freedom. If people must perish for it, it's worth it. ...for all those that want to live a free life. It's not worth it, Brian. Remember the works of Kropotkin and others. Anarchists don't exist to wipe out other sapient beings. We exist to live in cooperation and mutual aid. Your Homo Sovieticus, your new man that you've created. It's all a sham if this new man uses the old man's methods. Peace is the way, Brian. And if resistance is needed, nonviolent resistance is the way. I can show you. Enough of your talk, Agent Sovereign. Man, don't. Go! Oh. ability is incredible but my defense matches it blow for blow it's a stalemate we're the same deep down what would you have me do brian sovereign you already you already have the mere station surrounding the earth you could live in them for centuries if need be they're self-sustaining And you have the whole solar system to explore. Build your stateless society here, in the stars. You don't need the Earth. Or at least you can wait for it to catch up to you. Live in peace. Disband your military. Convert your drones to explore the whole solar system. There's no one out here to stop you from living in anarchy. There's no one out there that can hurt you. And if the capitalists on Earth start to really reach for the stars, too... Then you'll know well in advance. And you can start developing technologies to defend yourselves. The way I see it, you're 200 years ahead of anything being done on Earth now. If it's anything like my Earth, anyway. Accept peace, Commander. Be the future. You are very convincing, Agent Sovereign. We will try it your way. And... We should help you get back home. a dimensional rift, and we can send you a... Natalia!
2: Oh! Commander! I, I didn't... I-, I thought you were going to be
1: busy. Commander, it, it was my... Please. No apologies, Agent Sovereign. Obviously I can completely understand why the lieutenant would wish to stoop with you. But now I'm wondering if Natalia would like to really put her KGB training to the test.
2: C- Commander? <sighs> the red Stallion the Golden Stallion?
1: Hey, I'm up for it if you are.
2: Oh, my. Yes, please. Join us, Commander Soviet.
1: National Rift Transfer. Please harness your orbital parachute in case of emergency. I'm ready. Good luck, Agent Sovereign.
2: I love you, Brian. Both of you. So much. Mwah.
1: I know. Natalia, Commander. See you on the other side, Brian Sovereign.
2: losing orbit due to the dimensional rift that just formed outside the station.
1: Activate! uh, Activate the emergency thrusters.
2: Emergency thrusters are inoperable. Oh, fuck. Now entering the Earth's orbit. There's
1: gotta be a way out of this.
2: We are now within the Earth's atmosphere. Impact in.
1: Computer, open the rear hatch of the station.
2: It is not advisable.
1: We're about to crash, it doesn't matter what's advisable. Blow the hatch now! Hatch.